I want everybody to go home with all their fingers and toes, all their joints work right. They don't limp when they're old. They can play with their grandkids. They don't leave a widow at home, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that's my driver. I'm not great, but I try to eat good. Not because my doctor told me. My cardiologist is a friend of mine. I only have to see him once a year if I don't see him at the football game or whatever. I do it because I want to watch my kids grow up. I want to play with grandkids. I don't want my wife to live as a widow. I got to have more of a reason than the safety guy said I should do this. No, get it in your brain that you want to do well and you want to help other people stay safe or you want to help other people perform well or produce well or the company to be profitable and safety will be a byproduct of that. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. My name is Nick Coya, and I'm with the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation and Portage County Safety Council. We are continuing our series this week on Ohio Safety and Congress Expo 2024. I am excited to be attending the Ohio Safety Congress and Expo as it is the largest in the Midwest and it is a great opportunity to learn about safety, health, leadership, and really management. In this series, we are focusing in on who we believe are going to be the best of the best presenters. And I am joined today by Randy Anderson. Randy, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Nick. I appreciate you having me today. You know, I'm really excited about this. Uh, We had an opportunity to meet before the show a little bit to learn about you and your topic. And I'm telling you, I think this is going to be a great fit at OSC24. But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, so I am a, uh, generally, I'm a trainer. Uh, I usually do about 80% training, about 20% coaching, and then throw in a few more percent. The math doesn't add, but uh, a little bit more for keynoting and some stuff like that. I've been doing this for about 18 and a half years. Before that, I was in sales and management, uh, primarily in the media business. The good part about being in the media business, I worked with every kind of business you can think of in every industry, every size, and kind of gained my master's of business on the streets rather than in the classroom by working with that many people. Since that time and in the 18 years I've been doing this, I've done a ton of stuff with construction and uh, whether it be horizontal construction or vertical construction, uh, one of the things I say is I spend a lot of time working with guys with their name on their shirt. And so I'm very familiar with the, you know, the less coat and tie and the more maybe blue collar frontline workers, things like that. And feel like I have built and structured some strategies and ideas to share with them that can really help them not only to be more productive, but also to enjoy their work more, enjoy their life more. If they're managing, help them to be more effective in management and drawing other people in. So that's where I really find my passion is helping people to uh, be their best, do their best, enjoy life more. You know, if, if we get a few more minutes or a few more hours in for the company, great. But if you like yeah. your company, that's going to be a second thought. If you like your job, that's going to be a second thought. You know, the, the first thought is let's like what we do and be good at it. And the rest of it will kind of fall into place. And that's kind of where I spend my life. That's awesome. You know, real world experience is so important. You know, being out there working in the trenches with everybody, getting to know them, spending the time with that. I think that really helps develop a great leader, uh, a coach, a mentor, those sorts of pieces. And I'm glad that you're able to bring that to the table. And I think you know that's really going to show in your presentation. So, you know, talking about your presentation, your title for Ohio State to Congress is Confronting Difficult Underperformers, which, you know, sounds like this HR scary thing, but really kind of give us an overview. What is that? You know, I think every manager runs into this at some point. There are times you have an un- you have somebody who's underperforming and it's not from lack of effort. 
it's not a lazy, it's not a hapless, it's not a belligerent, it's whatever. They really are trying hard. They're very teachable. But I think there's other times, and this, this is what this session is aimed at. I think there's other times when you have two kind of challenging situations. One is you have a really lovable teammate. They're fun, they're funny, they're enjoyable, they're nice, they're kind, they've been here forever, they've got great sports trivia, they're fun at happy hour, they're fun in the break room. You've got that nice one, and, and, and man, I just hate to confront that. I hate to hurt their feelings. I hate to, what if they leave? You know, then everybody's going to be mad and sad and whatever. You know, I've had it before. It drives me nuts. I, I've experienced this before. I mean, you got to do something about Nick. you got to get rid of Nick. I'm tired of pulling Nick's weight. Nick never does what he's supposed to. Nick never does. Then we fire Nick and everybody's angry that we got rid of Nick. And I'm like, wait, y'all been telling me for months we needed to do something about this. The other one is the person who's really good at their job, but they're just toxic. Toxic to the culture, toxic to the environment. Maybe they're a bully at work. Maybe they're belligerent. You know, if I were to put it in the office and I actually have a slide that shows this in this presentation, think of Stanley from the office. You know, he's going to sit in the back of the meeting and do his crossword puzzle and don't bug me, don't poke the bear. And so, well, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to frustrate him because he does so well at his job. And, and I was a sales manager. I mean, you know, when your top salesperson is your most obstructive personality, as far as, you know, they're going to do things their own way and not respond and not collaborate and not help or whatever else. And so both of those situations are pretty tough. And both of those situations kind of require a little bit of a different strategy and a different approach than it would somebody who really means well, but is just kind of kind of underperforming because they didn't have, they don't have the experience yet or they don't, you know, they didn't really know, uh, they didn't have a good strategy or whatever. That person's pretty easily fixable. It's those other two kind of on, on either extreme that are pretty tough to deal with sometimes. And I see it from a safety standpoint. I think about that employee that's a great performer, but they're just never following through on the safety requirements, yep. right? They don't wear the safety glasses. They don't put the guards on the machine. They, they bend the rules. And then from a safety standpoint, you're going to production manager saying, hey, listen, we got to do something with Johnny here. Yeah. But he's got the best numbers. The production manager is right. looking at you like you have six heads because he doesn't want to miss his number point at that yeah. point. Yeah. So. And, and, and I think, you know, part of the problem runs in there. And I say this to people who are especially in construction world, road construction or structural construction or whatever the case may be. And and the, the part that concerns me there is not only for them, but also for the other people. They're not watching somebody else's back something dangerous can be brewing and I've got my back turned or I'm working on something or I've got a power tool going and I can't hear. And that person, you know, they're screwed. I'm doing my own thing. I'm, they didn't ask me to help them. And, you know, so they kind of have that disengaged attitude, especially the, the, especially the landmine employee. I'm, I'm not talking about the lovable one at that point. Right. You know, the lovable one is the one who lost their PPE. They're the ones who forgot their safety glasses again. Oh, I left it in the locker. I left it in the truck or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I'll, I'll drive past a, a work zone. I'll drive past a, a, a road crew or whatever. And you see people without a vest. Or you see people without a hard hat. And you know they've been to the safety meetings. Yeah, I mean, yep. they heard all the statistics, you know. But it's, hey, where's the sign-in sheet? Is this mandatory? How long is this going to last? They're not there trying to stay safe. They're there trying to get their name checked off the list so they can go on and be out of it. And, and so I think this is a way that we can kind of address that person one-to-one. Uh, instead of, I had a conversation just a few minutes ago before we got on this with a guy who said his, he was the general manager. He said, so I had to go and address everyone when there was only two people who were guilty. Well, now everyone's mad. Why, why do we have to do this when we were doing it? And it was only two out of it. Well, because the owner said so the owner told the GM, I want you to do this. So he had to do it to do his job. 
And in reality, there's two guilty parties and yet eight people got griped at. And no. you know, so I think we have some, and so this kind of, this is going to give you a strategy as a manager, as a leader to address that person one-to-one instead of feeling like you've got to, you know, water it down and genericize it and throw it out to everybody, even though most people are not guilty of it or, you know, they're not breaking the rule. At least they're not blatantly breaking it. Some people are just, you know, they're just belligerent. I don't have a lot of tolerance for that person. Do you think, you know, in your time doing this, is this a symptom of the employee? Is this a symptom of the culture? Is it kind of a symptom of both things in that organization? Yes, they are, the second one. And, and, and because we've let them do this, they do this. I'm sure you've heard the deal before. What you, what you tolerate, you teach. Right. What you don't correct, you condone. Well, by the fact that we haven't addressed it, they've assumed that it's okay. You know, so you have the hapless, the lovable underperformer. Well, I had no idea I was underperforming. I had no idea I wasn't meeting expectations. I had no idea you were frustrated. The older one was, well, screw it. What are you going to do? Fire me? Because I've got the best numbers of anybody. Right. And, and I've been in that situation. I tell that story in this presentation. Both of those. I've, I've had both of these employees that I had to do something with. And so this is not abstract, read it in a book or used AI to do that. I had to do both of it, the lovable underperformer and the landmine employee. Just to give you a, a little hint to the session, the landmine employee was my was about fifty percent of our team's revenue, and I had to I had to separate from that person, and that's, that's a scary thing for a sales manager, you know. Well, yeah, that's because of attitude, because of toxicity, I've got to amputate this limb, even though that limb is everything. You know, I'm I'm gonna amputate the pitcher's arm. Right. That's that's that's, that's a difficult you know yeah. move to make. Yeah. And so, so how do you approach that? Give me, you know, a little snapshot into this presentation. Yeah. I got that landmine employee. How, how did you navigate that, that situation? Well, and that was an interesting situation. Um, she was really, really, really good at what she did, but she was kind of convinced that everybody was out in a conspiracy to knock the king off the top of the hill. And so she kind of, kind of isolated, didn't isolate herself, but kind of, you know, backed her back against the wall. Nobody's going to sneak up on me from behind. And it became more and more adversarial. And then it kind of became adversarial toward me. And so, you know, in talking to her, I just said, I, and we'd been, we'd been working together for um, probably three years. So I knew her really well by this point. And um, I just said, hey, something's got to change. I mean, for me to do my job correctly, something's got to change. Either you got to change or I got to make a change. And I kind of I left the choice with her. She made the decision. You know, I basically drew a line in the sand on Friday afternoon. I said, Monday morning, I want an answer. And if you decide you're going to stay, we're going to make some changes. If you don't right. want to do that, let's don't go to battle. Let's don't fight about it. And it just so happened Monday morning, I happened to, I was, I walked around the corner toward the hallway. I could look down this long hallway toward the parking garage and I saw her walk in with two boxes. So I knew what she had decided. I mean, she was, she was leaving, you know, and, right. but it, you know, it's just one of those things that I just had to finally say, Hey, the damage she's doing to the culture I'm trying to create uh, is not worth the contribution she's making on, on revenue. And that was the day I discovered almost nobody's irreplaceable because it wasn't very long before we replaced the revenue, the culture changed for the better in a long shot. So then fast forward, I don't know, a, let's fast forward a year, two years, something like that. And I went to my next gig. And when I got there, I pretty quickly realized I had two people that were either going to have to change or leave. And I didn't much care which, but they weren't going to stay there and stay the same. One changed and one left. I just, I knew from that other experience that I could replace them if I had to. And I think in those scenarios, honestly, that it's easy 
for some people to say, hey, this is the person to go. It's harder to sell up the ladder, right? Yeah. Sometimes, especially in the big numbers. But even more difficult is the lovable person, right? Because, yeah. you know, the data is there, but who really wants to hurt the, the morale booster of the company that everybody loves? And, and let me throw another one on you. Who wants to damage the reputation of the company in the marketplace if they are somebody who is widely known because they're at every chamber of commerce mixer and we've got a large university here. And so the, the crowd around that university, kind of the booster crowd and all, uh, I live in Lubbock, Texas, where, where Texas Tech is. So the people who are around the Red Raider Club and everybody knows, wait, they fired Nick? Are you kidding? They fired Nick? How could you fire Nick? You know, and they don't realize that Nick was not really producing that well. He's just fun and he's funny and, and he's well known. You know, he's a good PR person, but he's not a good salesperson. Or he's not a good, you know, project manager. He's not a good, uh, you know, not a good shift lead or whatever the case may be. And and so, you know, and and it's and and to add to it right now, it's so difficult to find people who are willing to come to work. You know, and you hire somebody and they call in sick one day a week and they demand to get paid this much money and they want a new truck and they, you know, and I'm hearing this everywhere I go in every industry I'm in and and I'm all over the nation. I mean, I'm I'm nationwide and I hear it everywhere. And so that has added a layer since COVID really over the last two years of, okay, if we get rid of them, how do we know we can find somebody to take their place? And um, it's scary. It is. And then, so I'm looking at it as a manager going, if I get rid of them and I can't fire them, then I'm going to have to do that work. So right. not only now am I managing, I'm also a player, uh, you know, player coach. I'm having to pull part of the load too. And, and I've been in that situation before. You ever heard the uh, the expression, what is the expression? Good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You know, and, and I've had those bad judgment times where I've done something. And, and I, you know, I wish I knew now, I wish I knew then what I know now. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been doing this 18 and a half years and I'm in and out of businesses all the time. And I end up, you know, companies I'm with regularly, like I've got several companies that I'm with monthly or close to it. And I just kind of become a part of the management team and I'm looking at it. And so I'm incorporating a lot of these practices when I'm working with them. I wish I'd have known them when I was still running my own operation and had 54 employees that I was responsible for. Right. Instead of after the fact, when I'm the guy that breezes into town, delivers the training, and then goes back to where I'm from. Uh, so, well, you know, and I think that's what makes us good in our skills and our trades is it just takes years of experience, right? Yeah. That's that's what comes from I'm supportive degrees. I think that's important, but I think boots on the ground work really builds on that skill set and makes you so much yeah, better. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not forcing an answer from you on this because we're at two very different places. I got a lot of gray hair. Let's just yeah. say we're in two different places there, but I always laugh and say my gray hair comes from parenting and management, you know, and, and it just, it's a challenge and it's a, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. That's right. And, you know, and, and my, you know, experience wise, I mean, I think everybody, if you're not learning from experience, you're not paying attention. And I, you know, I say a lot of times, the only thing worse than screwing up is screwing up twice because I didn't learn the first time and lose, if you lose a customer, but I mean, let's, let's carry it to the end. I mean, nobody's going to get killed doing what I do. You know, right. nobody's going to get killed delivering a PowerPoint presentation, but some of the people who are, are y'all's constituents, somebody's not paying attention. Somebody's going to get killed, hurt or killed. I, I have a client, I, I'm not active with him right now, but he was a manager. Had been, he was, he's a little bit older than I am. I'm mid fifties and he was older than I am. And he'd been in road construction 30 some odd years. And he had been two different times. He was standing next to somebody that got killed on the job. One guy, hydraulics went bad on a backhoe, hit the guy in the side of the head and crushed his skull and killed him. Another guy, he was standing there giving instruction. He took a step forward because the conversation was over. The other one lost his presence of mind and took a step, turned around and took a step this way and didn't pay attention. Stepped out in the roadway in front of a belly dump truck and he killed him. 
And so, you know, that's the kind of experience I don't want. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would rather hear it in a classroom or a breakout session and address it than to have to endure something like that and think about it when I'm laying down to go to sleep at night or, or waking up to a bad dream because that that that's terrible. I mean, that that is hard to hard to ever shake that memory. And it's that's the hard part with the safety world. You know, we we our mission, our goal really at the end of the day is we want everybody to go home as the way they came to work or right. better. Right. right? That, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And you you have to deal with those difficult employees, though, that, you know, don't want to follow the safety rules because, yeah. you know, I've been doing it for 30 years. I know what I'm or, doing. Or I'm invincible because I'm 24. Yes. You know, and, and really same thing. There. I see I see with injuries. I talk about this a lot when I talk to, to companies. I see an inverse bell curve when it comes to injuries. It's the new employee who's young and thinks he's invincible or is new to the company, just doesn't know better, gets hurt a lot. Yep. And then it's my most senior employees because they've been there for so long. I've been there. I've done it. I've seen it. I know how to do it. I don't need the rules. I can work around it. And we take too many shortcuts and we end up with these catastrophic injuries. Or I'm just doing the rules right? and I'm not really paying attention to what's going on because you can't make a rule for everything. And all of a sudden, here's some anomaly that we've never experienced before. I got enough experience and I got enough brains in my head that I could have avoided this, but I just wasn't checked in that day. And that's why I spent so much time talking about employee engagement. I mean, the name of my company is E3 Professional Trainers. We have to engage before we equip with training or tools or whatever the case may be. We got to engage their heart first. If they don't care, they're not going to listen to the training. Again, they just want to sign the sign-in sheet, smile and nod, tell you that they understand and then be done and go on. And so I'm big on employee engagement because I think everything starts there. My willingness, my give a crap, my uh, desire to want to learn, my desire to want to collaborate, my desire to watch out for the next guy, hoping he's watching out for me, you know, because what if that one guy had, had, they couldn't do anything about the hydraulics on the backhoe, but what if he'd had half a more second to see that guy about to step out and just reached out and grabbed his vest and pulled him back? Could have saved a life that day, you know, and I'm not saying the guy who, who didn't die was not engaged. That's not my point. I'm not trying to cast stones at him, but I'm just saying, I think there's a lot of times when I don't know what the right grammar way to say this, the more full we're engaged, the, the fuller we're engaged. I don't know what the right tense to put there. The more engaged we become, the, the yep. more we can avoid those situations. And, and, and what you said a minute ago, I talk about all the time. Like, I could care less about a safety meeting. I want everybody to go home with all their fingers and toes. All their joints work right. They don't limp when they're old. They can play with their grandkids. They don't leave a widow at home, you know, th that kind of thing. And uh, that's my driver. I'm not great, but I try to eat good. Not because my doctor told me. He's a, my cardiologist is a friend of mine. I, I won't have to see him once a year if I don't see him at the football game or whatever. I do it because I want to watch my kids grow up. I want to play with grandkids. I don't want my wife to live as a widow. I got to have more of a reason than the safety guy said I should do this. No, get it in your brain that you want to do well and you want to help other people stay safe or you want to help other people perform well or produce well or the company to be profitable and safety will be a byproduct of that. Like we'll automatically be checked in on that. You know, and it's, it's all about making it personal. That's one of the things that I really try to do in companies is help them make it personal. Because if I have a personal reason to do it, I'm going to be more focused. I'm yeah. going to be more engaged. And I think second of all, the other thing is leadership has to be more observant of what's going around and know that, you know what, today, Jimmy is is just not in the game. His head's yeah. not there. This, he's off. Something's not right. We need to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation to and, and focus. I'm just tired. I'm tired of having to do that. I'm tired of it. Sorry, that's the gig. I mean, if you sign on yeah. for management, it doesn't stop. 
you've probably heard the deal before. If you're wrestling a 400 pound gorilla, you don't stop when you get tired. You stop when the gorilla gets tired. We yeah. can't stop talking about safety just because we're tired of talking about safety. We stop when we have a safe culture. And that's not even when you stop, but it is when we shift it to a different perspective of, hey, y'all got to start being safe to we want to keep being safe. You know, right. I was at a place the other day and they had a plaque up that they said they had 3 million accident-free hours, 3 million contiguous a- uh, accident-free hours. That's pretty impressive, but I'll guarantee you that didn't happen by accident. No, there's, there's focus, there's time, there's energy that all ties into it. And probably some money spent. I mean, probably yeah. some resources spent on that deal and, and probably some, somebody probably got cracked on the head. They didn't get hurt on the job, but they got cracked on the head by their boss because they weren't doing something. And I mean, but that's, that's how you create a culture. It, you know, it's like, I did a webinar yesterday and one of the one of the slides I had was an orthodontist tightening somebody's braces. And I said, you know, you, you can't do it all at once. You got to go once a month for a long period of time to change those teeth. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's it's it, there's some soreness. There's some pain. But we also know what the outcome we're looking for is. And it's worth that. Listen, Randy, I am really excited about your presentation. You have so much information. I could spend hours chatting with you. You're This is right up my alley of stuff that I enjoy. Thank but before you. we get off of here, our listeners, what's one thing you want them to do before they get ready to head out to Ohio Safety Congress and Expo? What's yeah, something I'm they can sure. implement today? Yeah, I'm not sure the exact date somebody's going to see this. I mean, it'd be easy to say we're recording this right before Christmas. It may be after the new year, or even in February. But it's always a good time to do this. But now is a particularly good time to do this. Let me just say that. I would just look and, and I would look at each person on your team and I would say, you know, everybody's got three things. They got strengths weaknesses and blind spots. Most of us know what our weaknesses are. We may not want to talk about it out loud. We may not point it out in our annual performance appraisal, but we know what they are. It's the blind spots that people, they, they're not going to fix it on their own. And so if I look at the blind spot as being, well, they're abrasive or they're not collaborative or they're not fully engaged or they're not as focused on performance and results as they should be, I may have to talk them through that. And this is just such a great time of year you know anytime is a good time for a new you resolutions forget about i'm not big on new year's resolutions right but at this time of the year people are kind of focused on them i'm going to reinvent myself next year i'm going to quit smoking and lose weight and start saving money and quit watching tv and read more and spend more time with my kids like they got all these grand ideas but let's pick something for every team member and help them to focus on that coach to the gap once we identify here's the gap here's what we here's where we need you to be here's where you currently are I'm just coaching that gap. If I did that with each one of my team members and every team member closed a gap in the next six to 12 months, imagine what a huge difference that would make for your team. That's awesome. No, that's great stuff. And, you know, it doesn't have to be New Year's. We can refocus any time of the year. We just yeah. have to identify it and move with it. Right. Um, as we're leading up to Ohio Safety Congress and Expo, if people have questions, they're excited about this topic, they need help, they're looking for more information, they want to chat with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, let me give you three things. Uh, one would be my phone number, and I wouldn't give it out if I didn't want you to call. So I, I'm giving it to you and giving you freedom to call me or text me or whatever when we set up a time. Is 806-787-3474. And then my my uh, website is E, the number three, and then it's long, but it's easy, professionaltrainers.com, E3professionaltrainers.com. Email Randy 
at e3professionaltrainers.com. Any one of those three ways that will get you to me, that will get you to my resources, could let you kind of see a demo video or two to see if this is a, a session that you want to go and attend. I can promise you pretty high energy. I've got a little sarcasm, a little humor to it. So I don't know what time of the day I'll be going. I often get the last slot of the day because my energy is so high. But I will guarantee you, you will walk away with some practical, applicable ideas and strategies you can put into play to help your team be better and to help you manage more effectively. Sounds great. Hey, listen, Randy, I'm really excited for this. I'm definitely gonna be checking out your episode. I wanna meet you in person while I'm down there too. i uh, get some more tidbits to help with the safety consulting that I do here in Ohio. But uh, thank you again for taking time out of your busy day. And uh, to our listeners out there, everyone, have a great day and be safe. The Ohio Safety Congress and Expo, hosted annually by the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, is the nation's largest free occupational safety conference focusing on helping employers improve safety and health within their business. Over 7,000 attendees gain knowledge and earn continuing education credits by participating in over 150 educational sessions, workshops, and leading keynote presentations. Find the best solutions to your biggest challenges while networking with over 350 exhibitors in the Expo Marketplace. This year's event will be live and in person on March 27th through the 29th at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. For more information or to register for free online, visit their website at www.ohiosafetycongress.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn an Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.com.